1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Live from Las Vegas, sports talk, hot takes, and all of the bangers, Lindsay Brown and Adrian Hernandez, the Playmakers.
2: Our best to talk down the internal monologue full of anxiety. We are the Playmakers. Welcome to the second hour of our program. We're here each and every day, 3 to 5 p.m. My name is Lindsay Brown over yonder. Adrian Hernandez. Again, we are the Playmakers. Good name tags out of the way.
3: <laughs> and
2: I have nothing else.
3: Lindsay, uh, I have something.
2: Do you? I don't know if it's working
3: out with my therapist.
2: Oh no! What happened?
3: I think subconsciously I don't want a therapist, so I'm always nitpicking. Well, there's that. But I feel like I talked too much today.
2: <laughs> well, here's the thing: you're you're paying them to to do to do the listening. Yeah. I, Did you feel like you didn't talk about the stuff that you wanted to talk about?
3: No, no. I just felt like you know some of the things I went too in depth on without setting the surface, and like I need to know. Like, for instance, we have a game plan here, our playbook. Yeah. So we know what's going on. If I don't, I feel uncomfortable and, like, I, I want to stay on top of things. So to me, to to go straight into some problems I'm having behind the scenes mm-hmm. in life without some of the context and things like that, I don't feel like on her side for her job, like, I don't think I, I'm giving, giving her the easiest job because she doesn't know. Well,
2: how many sessions have you had now?
3: This is our sec- third.
2: So... The fact that she doesn't have your whole life story yet. Let's not fault either of you for that. No,
3: that's true. Because I I
2: feel like you're describing a problem that I think a lot of us probably have with therapy. If you've you've had the opportunity to go, because just like anything else, we all have expectations of of how an experience is going to go. And especially with therapy, we're expecting the couch. We're expecting, you know, how do you feel about this? Do you need a tissue? I always walked in with some intention or some story or some idea of what I wanted to breach. The frequency in which I walked away from therapy sessions, feeling good, feeling settled, feeling like I accomplished what I went in there to do, literally zero. Really? Literally zero, Adrian. And that's why I I, I don't I, I can understand your apprehension because I'm doing something that usually I don't. I'm doing something proactive for my health. I'm doing something that's difficult. Where's the feedback? Why don't I feel better already? And it's not just feel better already where I'm like, I'm cured from all of my BS. It's not going anywhere. You have to keep dealing with it. The therapists are there to help you help you learn how to use your shovel of the, BS, of I, your life.
3: I like the way that, that you put that. And honestly, I got people close to me where, like, they're very good friends. Like, they help each other. Like behind the the hour session that they have oh yeah week. and it kind of trips they're me talking out.
2: all about you but that's th- they're not talking about you in the sense that you think they are though they're talking about you in terms to find the best mode of care and trying True. to unwrap you and that's the thing they're on your team you're not there to perform even though you are like it, you're just gonna get more and more comfortable with going there and just straight up feeling like a failure because that's what that's like therapy for me always felt like dealing with them like where am i falling short and then she always say, they would always say, Well, why do you feel like you're the one that's falling short? You're like, Well, that's a whole different conversation entirely. And so they're not gonna ever have your full context because you're the only one that does. You that's can spend everybody you could spend every waking moment of your life trying to explain all the things that have already happened to it. It's not enough time. And so you went. Did you did you feel like you left some energy there that you left some of your BS or that that kind of buildup of of garbage and sludge there, do you feel better equipped? I know we're not looking; we we didn't get I, the feedback that we want. Want
3: I, I felt good in terms like of being healing. being able to say say certain things out loud and like to someone. Hell yeah, that felt good. Hell yeah, but I kind of wanted more. But yep. it's okay. Yep,
2: exactly. Like
3: you said, it's the third time I talked Instant about the show. Gratification is a hell of a drug. I talked about the show, so some of the things have, like,
2: have they continue to listen.
3: Uh, she's listened a couple times. She's dealing. She's dealing with some things too. Oh, okay. Um, and she's not. That's right. The therapists are
2: people as well. Yeah, forget and she's, about that.
3: Have you seen the therapist on Showtime? No. So it, it's a real life. Like it's real people. Oh no. So the therapist, like, so it's like a thirty-minute episode, and they'll cut in to like three different couples. Actually, problems. I have seen this. Yes, yeah, yes. But then at the end. The therapist meets with like the head therapist. Yeah,
2: I literally texted, you haven't met, you haven't had the the pleasure of meeting Mar yet, but she's one of my best friends. She's been on the show before. She's up in Alaska. She 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 works in this industry and, and helps a lot of people in that way. And I was, when I watched that show, and I think it's the same show, I watched it like the weekend that it came out earlier this year. I was like, how essential that, oh, the, the therapist for the therapist is. Because just think of how much energy and negativity and stories they take on. And now you can't, wash your hands of everything like nobody that works a job like that in in medicine in in any of the really really tough stuff like you're always going to bring stuff home with you but there are different hygienic ways that you can go through and scrub it as best you can and process it as best you can and that's what I think you're learning to do in therapy that's just how I look at it and at different points in your life you have different tools that you've either found or developed on your own sometimes they disappear completely like that's one thing like my, my eating stuff has taught me is that I'll get obsessed with like a certain meal or certain food and then I'll eat it for three months straight and I'll have a totally fine relationship with food I'll be wh- wearing and then I lose that one little brick and everything can fall down. And all of a sudden I'm back to can I force feed myself like two scoops of cookie dough like that's that that's to the points that, that we get sometimes and Yeah,
3: and that's a real thing.
2: It's an absolute real thing and and. That's the other prong of therapy is kind of bringing the mirror up to you and all of the crazy things that you do that you think is unique to you and learning it's not unique to you. The motivations aren't unique. Like nothing truly is. Nobody's truly alone in anything that they do. It's that we choose to put ourselves in isolated positions because we feel that we are, that we're unworthy of being helped or whatever. But. Or more comfortable, yeah. Would, uh,
3: two two questions. One, I don't know if it's too personal. I'm just going to oh, ask God. it. Do you see therapy? Do you? Do you I don't get right now.
2: I, I I can't afford it right now, and so yeah, I, I I'm. That is
3: a problem in this country. Yeah, and I and
2: I have I have health insurance. It's just that I I can't. I I have a laundry list of things that I that I deal with uh, medicine wise, and I've tried to change my lifestyle as much as I can to like reduce anxiety to to cut out negative energy and stuff because that's just as big of an anchor as as anything else. But then there's always going to be stuff that you need to talk through. There's a bunch of stuff that's happened in my life since the last time that I was regularly seeing a therapist that I know I have not broached at all. And I can tell like it's starting to, to weigh down, but I'm like, I need to get into a better situation. And so until then, I rely on my people around me that when they have space for me to help process and deal with some of these feelings... I try to work out, I try to, I'm, I'm sleeping a lot right now, like I'm, I'm trying to go with the hormone cycles, all that, that's all you can do, um, because it, therapy is just like anything else, it's an active practice, and and there's a lot of self-therapizing that goes on in my life and in other corners of the world and stuff, but I'm, we're all just trying to figure it out. No, 100%. <laughs> like, you're all just doing our best, and and, you know, don't feel guilty for falling short.
3: No, true. And then then my last random question before we get into the D-line, edge rushers. Um, So picture yourself uh, in an NBA team, an NFL team, whatever the case, uh, and the team offers therapists for you. Would you go to to the ones from from the team-issued ones or go to your own? Depends on
2: my relationship with the team. Um, I've had... I mean, Coach Matthews literally like made me go to therapy my first year at St. A's, and I'm um, thank God she did because you should have seen. My did she
3: ever ad. tell you why? Like, what was oh, her reason? We didn't.
2: We, we didn't need any of the, We, we <laughs> knew our reasons why. <laughs> we knew our reasons why. It's just that sometimes you're spinning so far out of control that you can't. You need somebody else to kind of help usher you into that particular playpen, right? Um, what it? What was your? What was your original question? I'm sorry. No, about, like, oh, if if a if team, a if team, team, if a team offered, it's tough because. I, I'm always very wary about employers that are connected to that. And and this is even before our conversation with Trista Crick last week where she was kind of illuminating at least the NBA side of kind of uh, the trainers. Everybody works hard. Everybody's qualified, but not everybody's the most qualified. Not everybody's the best in the business. The best in the business are, are usually in the private practices. And just knowing how petty some things are. I mean, I know there's, there's patient-client privilege, but everybody has a price these days. And we all can know how to listen through doors like we did when we were a kid. And so I, I would hope that the organization would have it where here's the number, here's the – and, and that, that kind of separation point. But I need to stop making assumptions about the bare minimums when it comes to sports. So I, I'm no longer going to gonna See, extend it to them. But I, I would hope – that the teams now, no matter what league that they're in, now have the resources on hand and people on hand to help you deal with whatever emergency you need and then provide that support. But yeah. that, that's largely like dependent on... Us as individuals and our own moral code like should I be pushing someone should I be like looking into this about someone should I be blackmailing? like it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out is this a good thing for me to be doing or a bad thing for me to be doing is this hurting someone or helping someone or just straight up leaving them alone neutral is a great option.
3: Yeah, and that's uh, – I think that's actually pretty awesome. Pretty bold of your coach to be like, hey, you need therapy. I'm oh,
2: not the only one.
3: Yeah, so –
2: Everybody could benefit from therapy. I, I have 100%. no problem saying that. Yeah, There's nothing like being able to talk S and it not get anywhere.
3: Yeah, because right? sometimes, like I said, like today I felt good yeah. just saying it out loud. Yep. Um, no, that's awesome. That's all that's
2: yeah. No, good questions. I'm I'm I'd much rather talk at length about this stuff. And I mean, we're just an we're just two people talking. We're not experts. We're we're just on the same path like anybody else, just trying to figure stuff out. But that stuff's more important to me than like the scariest edge rushers that we have. But when I do have like buttons planned out, it is important for us to get into a <laughs> school. It's time for the footiest of footballs. Oh, fuck. Ah! That's what we're discussing today, people. The scariest edge rushers are the one, two D line combos in the league. We know that there have been plenty of players moving this off season, not just at the quarterback position. Who is going to make their life a living hell? These guys.
3: And uh it's more important than ever, right? With all these quarterbacks. Yes. So
2: they we are going to be competing. They are going to be racing, ascending. So it's the greatest position of all time. The of uh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, yeah, so just off the top of your head, who's the best pass rusher in the league?
3: Uh, I'm sorry, Raiders fans, because uh, we're going in division after the moves this offseason. season. I have to start off with the Chargers because you got Khalil Mack Mm -hmm. and then Joey Bosa with his 58 career total sacks. And then just in the middle of all that, for Brandon Staley to pick up a dude that he helped kind of usher in and have his best season in Sebastian Joseph Day. uh, That's a scary name. (laughs) Sebastian Joseph Day.
2: Sebastian Joe Day.
3: When uh, Brandon Staley was his defensive coordinator, uh, Joseph Day, he played all 16 games. He had a career high. Uh, in tackles, he had a career high in snaps, mm-hmm. and even last year he was on pace uh, until he got injured. Uh, he tore his pectoral. But Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa—that's uh, uh, kind of formidable, wouldn't you say?
2: Well, it, it's it certainly is, and I'm looking at uh, overthecap.com, which is you know the most official of things. But they say that Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack are two of the four top paid rushers. Hey,
3: so they better be uh, good. Joey
2: Bosa's total contract is worth 135 million dollars. And then Khalil Mack at $141 million. Uh, Obviously different guarantees and stuff, but you can clearly see that the Chargers are looking to utilize the rookie QB deal window because this is not possible without it.
3: Yeah, and and also it was kind of cool that – Brandon Staley kind of doubled down when he was asked about the money that Khalil Mack was going to make, and mm-hmm. he kind of he kind of set the picture of how he went into Chicago and kind of took that team into the playoffs and yeah. kind of spoke. Dude, at that week
2: one, I think it was like the hundredth season, maybe it was yeah. like twenty nineteen. They're playing the Packers and they beat the doors off the Packers, and I saw him literally go up to Aaron Rodgers and t- said. Give me the ball, boy. And like ripped it out of his hands. Yeah. And he and he ran it the other way. It was one of the most dominant performances I've seen defensively, probably only rivaled by Von Miller in the Super Bowl or the AFC championship that got him there.
3: A hundred percent. Uh and then we got our Chargers. Uh to me, that's one so of the
2: So that's that's one right now. They're on they're on the edge of. Do you have the mini one? Perfect. <laughs>
3: Lindsay, I think I'm going to be better with, like, a 50-cent-inch monitor.
2: 100%. <laughs>
3: As opposed to seven. Maybe more
2: is less, Ross.
3: <laughs> no, facts. Uh, and let, let's let, let's give some credit to our Raiders um, because, obviously, pro bowler Max Crosby. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, who's been severely underrated. You sent me the PFF list of edge rushers. He was uh, in that list, underrated, and then, obviously, He's the just huge inconsistent. Yeah, true. Farrell. But when you add Chandler Jones, like the hope is mm-hmm. as a unit a um, that could kind of fortify. And Chandler Jones, I don't know, man. It, it it's interesting. Like there's a reason why he was available. Um, Arizona's whole situation money-wise, is like it was very strange where like Kyler Murray was making less than a million dollars um just base salary, but then Obviously, JJ Watt was like making 16 mil. And then you
2: have the Hopkins deal, which I'm sure has a few dollars to it. And
3: then Chandler Jones and Jordan Hicks, like those dudes were making like anywhere from 15 to 18 mil. So Chandler Jones was available. And this is, uh, he's very talented, but this is a big gamble. And it comforts me that if you're going to take a gamble, it's on someone that you brought into your system and kind of fostered into the league with the Patriots, with. Obviously, Ziegler and McDaniels drafting Chandler Jones. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I see them as, listen, last year the defensive line in general was a safe haven for us. Um, yeah,
2: that really, it, it it changed everything because the offense was pretty solid in that that 2020 season, but the defense is where we would, would fall apart, and there were times where that defense was the best part of this team. And it, I know, was it that they struggled with tag, takeaways, but they they didn't necessarily struggle with getting off the field.
3: Yeah, the the takeaways they were not. Um, yeah. they weren't creating too many turnovers. And
2: so this I think helps foster a better environment for those turnovers because it's not just one thing to, to speed up the quarterback, maybe make him make a throw that is mistimed or or in the wrong direction, but it's about getting balls on the ground. And when it when you just have Max Crosby to deal with, and I know Yannick and was a great. Uh, player for us last year but maybe Shanler jones offers that uh next level or just a little something more in an area that ngakwe was a little something less that enables just that edge of all of a sudden we're not just talking about a sack we're talking about strip sacks maybe once out of 20 rushes more like just think of that little that little boost what that can do
3: yeah and, and especially where You know, this division we're going to talk about. We've talked about it. We will talk about it. Mobile
2: quarterbacks. It's Uh.
3: (laughs) Everything, the margins are so, so slim in this division. And
2: experience, too. Like, it's not just getting the quarterback. It's making sure that you keep them contained. Because we have quarterbacks that can take advantage of certain types of pressures and and outside of the pockets, too.
3: And, you know, you can't really quantify this, but it does. It warms my heart. And social media is just social media. But some of the interactions with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and kind of Jax like Crosby
2: is the spirit of that team.
3: I mean he's Hands always down. in Anderson. He's always in the yep. facility, like kind of setting the setting the pace. Absolutely. Uh, so moved. there
2: would they, so we have the Chargers and the Raiders probably on the pedestal of, of glory. Who else are you putting up there?
3: On the edge of glory, underrated. I'm taking the Titans. Really? Let me let me give you my case, Lindsay. Okay. So you have Jeffrey Simmons who didn't make the Pro Bowl. Um, but last year he had eight and a half sacks. Um he had 12 tackles for loss which as a defensive tackle, being in the middle and being that big, to be able to do that is insane. Uh, Danico Autry had nine sacks. Harold Leonard had 12 sacks. Bud Dupree's in there for depth. You know, a lot of people wondered why, granted, the division that the Titans were in was not very good outside of the Colts, but – this defensive line kind of fostered and held ground for the Titans to be able to get that number 1 seed without Derrick Henry playing most of the season.
2: Takes a lot of pressure off the offense to find success all the time especially with Ryan Tannehill being the quarterback.
3: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So so I have So them you them. have
2: them as a top 3 on the edge of glory. Yeah. Interesting. And
3: yes, and let's uh let's go well, to How
2: could you not? Where where do you have my Minnesota Vikings? Because like Daniel Hunter He's on a Hall of Fame pace for his career. Now, he's coming off of a pretty bad injury. But we got Zadarius Smith, right? True. Patrick Peterson just announced just a few minutes ago he's coming back. He's here to roll the boat or, just, or to use the galahorn, whatever PJ Fleck or our new coach guy says. Uh, it's brought to you by BetQL.com. Visit dot BetQL.com today. Download the app. Uh you that, said P.J. Fleck. I love this. What do you think? Oh, of course, he's rolled the boat. No, I know. That's, that's the way it rolls. Like I kind of like how quickly it's coming together for a defense that has been a shell of its former self for the better part of three seasons.
3: No, that's true. And, and Lindsay, if I'm going to be completely transparent with you, uh, there was three teams that I put that are questionable because of the offseason, and we don't know what's going to happen. It was the Vikings. Mm-hmm. It was the Browns because it's rumored that Jadavian Clowney is going to come back with Miles Garrett. That's I a mean,
2: big yeah. time if.
3: And then also I put the Rams because obviously they still have Aaron Donald. Yep. They still have Leonard Floyd. No more Vaughn. We don't know what they're going to do. So those three teams huh. um were were pending. Um, I
2: won't say it's good company, but at least one of them is decent company.
3: Yeah, right? Um. Let's move on to the Bills I put in there. Mm-hmm. Speaking um, of Von Miller. Jared Hughes, very solid. He didn't statistically um produce he, I think he only had two two and a half sacks last year, mm. but the pressures and the tackles um were very important. Uh Ed Oliver, big dude, gives up a lot of takes up a lot of space, I should say. Uh Tremaine Edmonds, who's a fantastic um coming off the edge. And then, of course, uh the Super Bowl. Um, two time Super Bowl champion. Yeah, Von. One time MVP. How do you? A lot of people, because a lot of people were like, "This is the missing piece on that defense." Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of want to. I kind of want to also put in they're not edge rushers, but the fact that they have two of the best safeties in the league, dude, and like having a good secondary is so underrated. Just in think terms of all the
2: blitzes of, that they can use. Yep, it, it, you can. You can disguise so much. Like that's really what I think ushered in a lot of the early Mike Zimmer years that put him on a right track because he was such a defensive forward coach is like the Harrison Smith effect because when you just have like one of those positions locked down any position locked down not just by by an athlete but by somebody who knows it and you have to know it as a safety like you're you're supposed to be out there helping people and getting everybody lined up if it's not the linebackers and so uh, those are some of the most versatile positions to be flushed in and
3: also just making the quarterback you know a different adjustment uh-huh. saying cover 2 switching to cover 3 that half second is the difference, because in the Super Bowl, if Aaron Donald doesn't get to Joe Burrow, yep. Jamar Chase beat Jalen Ramsey.
2: How many dreams more are dashed out by doubt?
3: Yeah, no, 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the flip side, uh, I put the 49ers in there. Nick Bosa, 15 what and a half. Doing? Yeah, but 15 and a half sacks last year. They have Eric is Armstead. It his, is
2: it, who is, which one of the brothers was injured last year? Because if that one isn't injured, it'll be the, the other one's
3: turn. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was Nick this season. Okay, so
2: it'll be Joey's turn this season.,
3: well, hopefully for the Ra- hopefully for the Raiders. yeah. um, they had Eric Armstead, too. Uh, and I think this defensive line kind of kind of helped the 49ers get to that conference championship game because that secondary was was beat down. yeah. um, they were trying to make things work. Uh, you're going to hate me because I, no. I put the Vikings as questionable.
2: It's okay. We, we already went over the Vikings, and honestly, we don't have any more time to go through it anymore. We're already at 22, and there's a lot of really good edge rushers, and that's why the edge of glory, it, it's a pursuit. It is an active pursuit just to loop it all back. This conversation that started with our, with your therapy session ends with a catharsis of sorts. We'll get into the Golden Knights cracking game just a couple hours away. The pre-scout is on the way. love for you the bet.
1: 1140 The Bet Adrian Hernandez and Lindsey Brown The Playmakers Exclusively on 1140 The Bet
2: Spooky vibes for the impending Golden Knights Kraken matchup Just a few hours away. Always nice when they are on the road, but then on the West Coast.
3: Yeah, so it's not that early start.
2: Exactly. But it is their first visit to Climate Pledge Arena, if I'm not mistaken. And Kraken are actually rolling with some good vibes. I feel like that music's, like, perfectly suited for the Kraken <laughs> in a way because it's just, like, whenever I picture Seattle, I've only driven through it and then flown through it. I just picture, like, foggy and, like, you know, watery And just like almost haunted, yeah, like haunted, uh, flying Dutchman from SpongeBob vibes, right? And it's just been kind of a spooky year because, like, we don't really know what's smoke and what's mirrors with the Gold Knights. It's hard to get invested into a team that you're not really sure what it's going to look like when we get to the playoffs, if we get to the playoffs. Just considering how many injuries that they've sustained, but the Kraken themselves are are a very different looking team since they since the Gold Knights faced them last. Uh, they're currently 21-39-6 last place in the Pacific Division. But they are winners of three of their last four games, four of their last six, uh, and uh, a split with L.A., Arizona, and Detroit. So it's not exactly the, the toughest of opponents, Adrian, but they're beating teams that, are in the same class like I put we put them in the in the waffles category when it came to the never eat soggy waffles divisional (laughs) reallocation that we explored earlier this week on the uh, Odyssey app for free podcastable Um, but in terms of what they have at their disposal I mean we're even missing potentially Jaden Schwartz and Hayden Fleury from the lineup in addition to, you know, Giordano being traded, Lazan being traded, Appleton being traded, Blackwell being traded. Oh yeah. And then Tanev blew out his knee in December. Like he was the perfect expansion team guy for that squad. And he is sorely missed. And they're still dealing with a lot of the same struggles, which is keeping the puck out of their own net. But those special teams though, those are still pretty rough for the Kraken as well. At home, their power play is thirteen point eight percent, which is good for thirtieth in the league. There's thirty two teams, people. Sheesh. And then their penalty kill at home, 76%, 25th. And one uh, redeeming quality they have is that they have seven shorthanded goals, which means that they're super aggressive and opportunistic, or they have a lot of opportunities on the kill. I think it's more the former rather than the latter. And just in terms of, of reference point, Vegas has nine of them this season. And so it's something that you'll have to keep in mind and be on the lookout for, because when you just have guys that are willing to kind of run at these puck carriers, you'd be surprised what discombobulation levels you reach by just having somebody take a little bit of a run at you that's what I always say to the to the kids when when I'm talking about penalty call I'm like, be uh octopus tentacle you go out and then you snap back in but you go pew, pew, pew. you have to go in and out in and out. it's a lot of stops and starts it's a heavy game it's a disciplined game and they have players on their team that are willing to play it because they're they're trying to set a good example for the for the people around them, first of all. And then everybody's basically trying out for the next contract. That happens every year, but especially when teams aren't doing that well. But like Yanni Gord, who has a long-term deal and has won two Stanley Cups, he has a three-game point streak at home. He is a guy who plays the hard game. He's a guy that understands that discipline. He's a guy that will be out there during the penalty kills. And that feeds in that those 10 points that he's been able to secure in the last nine home games. They acquired something called Daniel Sprong at the trade deadline <laughs> from Washington, Uh, weirdly he has scored in each of his three games with Seattle since he's springing and then you have the uh, recently signed uh, to an extension Jared McCann who has 38 points this season has career high in goals 24 of those 16 of those have come on V5 V5 situations eight on the power play and he has eight multi-point games this year but when they played the Kings the other night, they came out and scored like literally 14 seconds into the game. Like they try to come out and punch you in the mouth. And that's where that opportunistic uh, aggression comes in. And the the goal scorer of that was Ryan Donato. That guy will shoot from anywhere. He will absolutely utilize below the net. Um, uh, below that goal line and will need to be kept an eye on. And then you have uh, a recent acquisition, too, like Victor Rask, who they traded for from the Minnesota Wild. He gets a lot of crap because he's not a great skater, but he can score goals. And so as long as he gets himself into the position and the other people are willing to do the dirty work or at least do the work that he's not willing to, we might actually be able to get some stuff done.
3: What does that mean when you say not a good skater? Like he's not fluid or like quick cuts? Well, it's
2: just – well, first of all, some people are faster than others. And fast isn't just like going from point A to point B. It's it's more out of the stops and starts and in transitions. He's not a guy that handles his weight particularly well. I think that he holds a lot of his, his weight and his tension in his upper body. And so the power just really isn't there. You see uh, some guys that will glide a lot, and it's not so much that they're not – putting forth the effort it's just that they're utilizing a certain type of skating that allows them to be in a shooting position at all times and ready to fire at all times Victor Rask isn't always the player that I would entrust with that particular role and some players uh, they don't really have the malleability to explore a playmaker side of their game if they're so used to scoring all the goals like I'm not going to put Phil Kessel out there to be a speed demon but I'll put him out there on the half while they're on a power play and so with with victor it's just he's a guy that moves at his own pace and this league is a very quick league but here's the thing any deviation you're going to you're going to find edges for success and so that's where he's he's able to score goals that's where people overlook him and his and his threat ability um, especially with somebody like Yanni Gord on his line. So I think that second line, like he was getting scratched. He was spending time in the AHL in Minnesota. And so he's just, I, I think, happy to be up there as a lot of these guys are in this lineup. Um, when it comes to the netminders tonight, I expect to see uh, for, for the Gold Knights, Logan Thompson, because apparently Leonard is on the trip. Maybe he'll play in the next game, but he's not playing tonight. But then Chris, uh, Chris Dreiger, God, I'm having trouble making words with my mouth today. Uh, 6-9-1 this season. Uh, goaltending has been a huge point of contention for this team. He has an 8-9-2 save percentage that is in the no-go, not very good zone, but he hasn't been given that many opportunities. And this is a team that spends a lot of time in their own D zone, but he had 37 saves in route to that 6-1 win over the Kings on Sunday. But in just in terms of, of of an eye test, when I was looking over some of the, the tape <clears> – <throat> um it's a guy that can struggle with edge management on shots and space. Like he, re- he likes to gap out. Maybe not like an extreme gap that we'll see with Logan Thompson, where there's a lot of white ice behind him. In addition to the white ice that he's taking when he's gapping out, but he the way that he holds his weight when he gets in his stance if you can get him to bite or use that initial quick twitch reflex he's going to be done and he gets caught flat footed a lot where he'll get caught in that space and all of a sudden you can just make one little stick handle move and you got the whole wide open net to look at as I mentioned he holds his weight and sets his stance in his hips and opts to keep his arms a lot more fluid and cradled to extend when needed almost like you would see at, at, at a at a car dealership those giant floaty things with a Inflatable the, with the guys. He's a guy that really likes to utilize, not even utilize, weaponize his stick. He's always sticking it into people's triangles, trying to stop, uh, not necessarily stop the puck, but just trying to disrupt your ability to shoot it. That is something that you can take advantage of as long as you're right on the timing, getting him to bite first, as I said. Uh, and he can get caught up. He's a guy that keeps his upstairs, his, his core very tall, but it's not necessarily integrated. So it's kind of like... That initial reaction, that's what you're going to get. He's not the most acrobatic goaltender, but he's going to give his effort, and he's certainly going to have a good first initial shot at getting the save, be that in a rebound. But it's almost like a whale slapping the tail on on the surface of the water. That's how you can – down, down. That's how his upper – it's almost like a delayed upper body. And so it's just a very different type of net minder than what we're used to seeing from our starter – Logan Thompson, I took some notes on him playing last week when they were playing at home, and I forget like how aggressive this kid is like and how gifted he is to be able to play that type of style because he, you can't play as far out of the crease in this league the way that he does without having some next-level athleticism and springiness to your game, or length. But it's really about springiness because it, you have to be able to scramble back into place. And even if you have length... It happens to Leonard, it happens to 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 Dreger, it happens to goaltenders all the time. Yeah. If I'm out too far and I go down and I'm not one of those goalies that's super agile on their knees or recovers super quickly, I'm toast. I'm, yeah. I, I'm done. You can go around me. Uh, and so when he takes those big gaps at the point and, and, and there's a little bit of delay in turn, when he's trying to regress back into it, it's really paid off in this stretch of games for the Golden Knights because he just goes out on those long-range shots and gets – cuts them off in their angle earlier so they're more likely to go directly in the corner or up into the net up out of the danger area versus if he's just like a foot back those rebounds react a lot differently like those can either just pop and hit you right in the glove or right uh, in somewhere else in your padding or it could go off the end boards and end up back in front of the net. Um, but he right now is operating with a lot of confidence. You can tell in the way that he's playing. He's a guy whose post I've mentioned how, how fluid and how vulnerable he is. I've noticed that he goes skate to post, but not his hips. And that's like a very specific type of choice. And I think that's mostly dictated by his body type. Because if you're putting your hip to the post, that's just a different level of commitment than if I'm just using my hand and I, I just touch it as like a reference point versus like a tether point. And so when you attack the sides of the net, he opens up a lot because he's either trying to go from his standing stance down to his butterfly or he's trying to make sure that he's getting to a tether point because his body usually doesn't do that. He doesn't lean on his post as much. He's looking to spring out. He's looking to take away space. And so uh, with those extreme gaps, to catch the piece of the puck, not dissimilar from our uh, um, Description of one Mr. Marc-Andre Fleury earlier. Yeah. Like, I see a lot of him in Logan Thompson, but you have to get reined in by experience. He's still young. He's still raw. But – He's a guy that has fire out there. He's a guy that's chomping at the bit, that's coming up and flipping the puck to the refs after the save and kind of doing the little like gut check where we'll hit ourselves in the shoulders just go, oh, I'm adjusting my pads. Be like, hell yeah, look at that save I just made. Like well, This is what this team needs.
3: Yeah, some actual energy.
2: Galvanization. And
3: like, act like you're in must-win situations as the season comes down to exactly, it.
2: Exactly, exactly. And so he is a guy who is super reliant on his edges. All goalies are, but some of us are just a little bit more – when we expect more and demand more from our bodies. And the Golden Knights will need to demand more from themselves. They have operated in a winning nature as of late, but I wouldn't want to spot the crack in a 3 nothing lead. I wouldn't want to walk out and think that we're just going to ease our way into this game because we know that once the Golden Knights start chasing, it's a completely different ball game.
3: And one of the questions that I had, and I looked it up myself, is I wanted to see – you know Seattle after they lost the sonics they supported the mls team and mm-hmm. i wanted to see how they're supporting and actually they're the second highest ticket like oh, in terms yeah. of price their ranking average is uh, 672 bucks and they've sold out all games this season despite obviously being 21 and 39 yeah. uh so
2: there it's a starred fan base and and it's going to be a a team when it does get into that into the into the black versus the red I I can only imagine how that that fan base will react. It'll be different than what it is here because here we had it flash, ready, made, and then it it went from there. That slow build is going to be a a different relationship, maybe a more fruitful relationship. But regardless, it's one that we're going to have to get used to. They have this game and then the Kraken again uh, following up. And then they're going to be sticking around henceforth, too. So we'll have plenty of stuff to get into in terms of what goes down in tonight's matchup on tomorrow's show. But we need to move on with this particular one because we have new bits to unsheath for one Mr. Adrian Hernandez. We we'll also have backup ones, too, in case it doesn't work out. 11 4 to the bet.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
1: Lindsey Brown and Adrian Hernandez. The best Playmakers, exclusively on 1140 The Bet.
2: <laughs> you weren't lying, my friend. <laughs> Lindsey, I told so you. So excited, I cracked the mic dude, early. Dude, this is Here's the best bit. What
1: kind of music do you like? I love we everything except, except for country! Whoa! Dude!
2: <laughs> Boogie T. Just brings something out in me, Adrian. It really does. What's the hell of
3: a name, Boogie T. Boogie
2: T. Shout part out. of the greatest EDM set experience I've ever been a part of. Shout or out. seen.
3: Shout out to Bo- Boogie T. Shout out to Booker T. Washington. Shout, well, shout out to you, Lindsay.
2: Thank you, and shout out to you because much like Boogie T., uh, Adrian Hernandez, you inspire me. Oh my God! Thank you. I, I just I have to put it out there. I, I the same for you. I will me. say. Sometimes you get on my nerves, but at this point, I, I think we're comfortably like past the well. Now we're kind of step siblings phase. Now we're we're in the point where you've shared with me that you fart in the studio all the time. You've already gone through what's going on with therapy. I'm talking about all my BS all the time. Like I think it's I, three
3: months, close to three months. About, damn like
2: that's kind of uh, the the true test period for a lot of relationships, right?
3: Yeah, facts. As we we first off, of course. The honeymoon phase of getting to know each other. Sure. And then now we're in the nitty gritty of you know, this is this is what we. This do. is who
2: you are.
3: We still haven't. We still haven't watched this. We we need to watch a sporting event together. Correct. Other than the Super Bowl. And you
2: need to watch Joe Dirt.
3: And I and we need to go to some sort of restaurant. Uh, and all of I need of these you to things. see me eat wings because, <laughs> you'll judge me differently.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Why is he so messy? We are constantly <laughs> learning different ways to love each other let's just put it that way but i really need to bring this to the attention of people because like it's not just that you're you're funny on the air like you're genuinely funny online like on twitter i i find your tweets hilarious Uh most of the time (laughs) and so i thought some of the insights that you Deem worthy of weighing in on, like, why just leave them on the feed? Like, why not bring them to the show here? Uh-oh. Why not talk about this? Because I was inspired by this specific tweet by Corbin Smith, uh, tweeted out on the twenty second of March of this year at one twenty three p.m. Pose the question without a mark: Can Batman dunk? And Adrian felt this is this is my time, and he weighed in. He absolutely can. And
3: I think <laughs> he can. Well, and, and honestly,
2: I'm like. <laughs> Like, this the amount of decisions and steps it takes to be like, you know what? I saw this tweet. I'm going to reply.
3: Well, that question <laughs> Not is Not even so... reply.
2: Retweet with comment.
3: Yeah, and, and that question I really wanted to ask Trista last week, um, but we didn't get to. <laughs> that question's hard because there's so many unknowns of, are we talking about just Bruce Wayne himself? Or are we talking about this dude in this costume? Oh, because at God. that point... Start a
2: superhero podcast with Trista, right? Don't you
3: think the boots and the cape and the belt, kind of heavy, right?
2: Yeah, but, it's also I mean, are they, but are they like strapped to the body? Because, you know, when it, when you have like a utility belt that's too loose or like this happens to me with my fanny pack at the festival stuff all the time when I'm jumping up and down, punching air, living my best life to Boogie T, down. up and down, up and down, up and down. And so I'm like, OK, so let's make this as small as possible. So it literally goes around like my hip bones and then it stays there. Or the next level thing, the real style thing, you go cross body up top. That's how I roll I out. I can't wait So I'm in
3: that tax bracket. Right. Where I'm able to do that and no one Someday. can question.
2: Someday. All right. Let's find another tweet of yours that I find hilarious. Um, I don't know why, what Amy Schumer did to you, but it was tweeted out that Amy Schumer appears as Spider-Man in the Oscars telecast where she's like on wires. And you tweeted, fire the idea maker of this immediately. What What do you have against Amy Schumer and, and creative uh, liberties? What's the deal? Uh, Not think- her making me a superhero. It's because she's a woman.
3: No, not at all. Uh, Miss Marvel coming soon to Disney Plus. That's true. I she steals jokes um, a lot, and just like Carlos Mencia, that kind of rubs me off the wrong way. And also, it was really weird. I don't know if you steals jokes. She's stolen a lot of bits and jokes from people, and then. It was weird because of... I guess there was controversy. It wasn't for the Spider-Man. Sally
2: Fields literally did this, like, during SNL 30 years ago.
3: True, but but I think... Everything's recycled. They did do something with Kristen Dunst where, like... I think the joke in the Oscars was that she was a seat filler. And so she got a lot of slack... Um, and then people, Amy had to come out and say, "Hey, you know, we asked her, right? Like to make sure everything was okay to do this joke." People didn't really appreciate it. Well, maybe but then-
2: we had some questions from the broadcast of whether or not people were okay with certain <laughs> jokes. I feel like that was maybe a designation. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that was talked about before. Maybe they were okay with that exact joke.
3: Yeah, but some of uh, Amy Schumer,
2: I'm not personally
3: a big fan. I'm sorry. All
2: right, March 23rd at um, 2:40 p.m. So just 20 minutes before our show started. The time's important. From now on, in my personal life, I'm ending my points and arguments with, I'm Joiner Lucas, in all caps. Who the hell is Joyner Lucas?
3: We kind of talked about this um, with Lollapalooza. He's a rapper who... Got upset because in Lollapalooza he's near the bottom of the hundred yes, people. Yes, we
2: did talk about um, this.
3: And there's an, and then, damn you, short. His tweet, right? he did like a four tweet thing, and then he ended it with "I'm Jordan Lucas," and I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and we have an update on that situation. Oh. So that tweet went out. Yeah. Then it was deleted. Then he tweeted, "I was hacked by Russians." Oh. And then he tweeted a couple days ago, "I'm a huge fan of MGK. All love." <laughs> so. I don't- MGK uh, got them goons. He got them so goons. There's, a,
2: there's some erratic behavior that is not just <laughs> reserved to your particular Twitter feed. And, and and people want to find these fine tweets of yours, where where do they go?
3: Uh at Adrian Radio93 and Heavyweight Radio on Instagram. Yeah,
2: a day before my birthday at four fifty PM. So ten minutes before the show ended, you're tweeting this. Texans tweet Texans are likely to keep and build around quarterback Davis Mills you go he is the chosen one what (laughs) yo (laughs) what Davis Mills no no yes no
3: better stats than Tua
2: this one didn't age well on March 16th you tweeted out I heard they have super cool Applebee's in Indianapolis so I don't really see the problem
3: Oh, yeah, I was, that was, well, it, yeah, we talked about Applebee's I can't confirm there's an Applebee's there. No, absolutely. It's like Indianapolis is a
2: really cool city.
3: It's a, a huge I, fan. I wanted to diss it. Minus because. the,
2: like, NCAA part of it.
3: Yeah. I have pictures of
2: me flipping it off. You know, really? Like badass. <laughs> it's like two, it was like a week after I graduated, too. I went on, like, an impromptu trip there and went to the Indy 500. It was great. Uh, on March 22nd, you tweeted out at 2.52 p.m., perhaps from the stall, the final pee before we go on air is so crucial to having a good show for the psyche.
3: 100%. I confirm that. And for people that don't know, because why would you? Uh, there's a hallway here leading to kind of our offices and then the studio. And there's nothing more. I, I, I think like I'm the rock coming out to the ring. When I pee and I wash my hands and I put that paper towel in the trash and I walk down that hallway. It's showtime, baby.
2: It is. All the way down the tunnel, an unbelievable level of hate. Skip Bayless aims towards LeBron James. Shocking to Adrian, but not shocking to us. We'll be back 3 to 5 p.m. tomorrow. Thank you to you all. Be nice to each other and yourselves. Use your blinkers because people are dying and otherwise have a great time. We'll see you tomorrow, friends. Bye.